0: Welcome to the Foundry Church podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. All right, we're kicking off a new series of sermons today, Transforming Generosity. It's one of our values here at the Foundry. And to begin this series of sermons, I gotta tell you this story. All right, it was... Uh, it was a little over, I had a look, it was a little over 11 years ago that Christina and I got married. Forgot I had a look. Alright, so a little over 11 years ago, Christina and I got married, and it was a wonderful day, right? It was a day that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. We, we prayed together, we, we took communion together, we, we danced together, if that's what you can call what I do, right? If you've ever seen, uh, what's that movie with Kevin James that I like? Hitch, yeah, I danced like him in that movie, all right, so we danced together, we had fun, all of our family, all of our friends were there, it was just one of my favorite days in all of history, and then we had one of the best nights in all of history, right, right, wedding night, right, we, and before we flew off, though, the next day to our honeymoon, we spent the night at an airport, at a hotel, at a hotel by the airport, a Doubletree, tree. And I don't know if you guys have ever stayed at a Doubletree before, but when you check in, they give you cookies, All right, Part of the reason why I booked that <laughs> hotel, right? Before our early flight to our honeymoon, I at least could get a couple cookies, right? So, so later on, a few years later, we're watching TV and a commercial comes up and it's a commercial for Doubletree. And the commercial is all about how they have these warm, fresh baked cookies for you when you check in. And Christina, her mind's working. Right? She's watching this commercial, and she's like, hey, didn't we stay at a Doubletree before? I said, yeah, the, after our, our wedding reception, we stayed there before we flew out. She's like, yeah, we, we didn't get cookies. Is, is this a new thing? She's like, is this a new thing? And I, I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking, right? I'm looking at her sweet, innocent face, and I'm thinking, how do I want to handle this? <laughs> how, do, how do I want to handle this, right? I mean... <laughs> If someone hands me two cookies, I'm going to eat them, right? I didn't share, right? I didn't share, right? And so I told her that. I confessed to her, and she said, you stole my chocolate chip cookie on our wedding night. And I said, I did, and I'll do it again and again, right?" If someone hands you cookies, you just eat them, right? I confess that to her. i never seen a pillow fly across the room that fast, right? (laughs) She couldn't believe it. Look, I'm a man who loves a sweet treat, right? And and I love eating. I love the the cookies that you get. And and needless to say, I've never lived that confession down, right? She still brings that up all the time, right? Sharing food is not one of my strengths. And, And I'm sure that that's not a surprise to anybody out there. But today, as we begin this new series of sermons, we're calling Transforming Generosity. I thought it would be best if I kicked it off or started it by sharing one of my not-so-great moments. One of those moments where I was definitely not generous, and there's a lot more than just that. But here's the truth, right? Here's the, the thing that we need to look at today. We live in a society, right? We live in a world that just loves to share. I mean, really, think about it, right? Maybe, maybe not food, right? But we love to share other things, right? It's one of the reasons why social media is so successful, is, is so prevalent uh, today, right? We, we share photos of our, of our recent vacation, or at least we share the, the good ones, right? <laughs> Uh, we, we uh, if we cook something that's amazing like my uh, golden ladle winning chili out there, right? <laughs> we like to share photos of it, right? Or if we eat something amazing, we, we you know that's how Instagram started, right? People taking photos of their their meals, right? Right? If, we, if we go to a location and it's just beautiful, we, we snap a picture and we post it on Facebook, right? We share our calendar with our, our significant others. We, we share our workout plans. We share parenting ideas and we share discount websites, right? We share everything. We are people who absolutely love to share what works and what helps and what we love with other people right it's great it's a wonderful thing that we are so quick to share but listen for some reason and and here's the tension that we need to peel like an onion uh, this morning right when it comes to our our money right uh, we don't share quite as much we just don't right we're not uh, so generous and i have to be honest Right, as I'm thinking about this, don't you think it's odd? you think it's just a, a little bit strange that we like to share our, our political views, uh, funny memes, or silly videos that we find on YouTube, but we have a serious kind of aversion to sharing our money? All right, take, a, take a look at this. Right? Our generosity seems just to stop at our wallets. And if we're honest, this actually seems to line up pretty well with our nature, with who we are, right? My, my sister, for example, she has three little girls who are in elementary school, right? Three little girls who I love, who are wonderful little girls, but I have to pray for my sister and my brother-in-law daily because sooner or later, those three little girls are going to be in junior high <laughs> and in high school, Right? And, and one of the things when you're hanging out with my sister that you're going to hear a lot is the word share, right? You're going to hear the word share. She's going to say, Hadley, who's the oldest one? Share with your little sisters. Holland, share your toy with your sister. Hannah, you have to share the chocolate with your sisters. Right, Hannah takes after me when it comes to candy and sweets. All right. What this shows us is that none of us grew up with this this natural inclination towards sharing our stuff. Right. I mean, we we love to share now, but sharing our stuff when we were little, right? We had to be told over and over again by adults to share. And now that we are adults, if we're honest, a lot of us are like me at that double tree, right? We're not looking at our our stuff. Especially our money and thinking, "I wonder how much of this I can share." Right? I, didn't, I, had, I didn't even have a, a thought of taking that second cookie to Christina. Right? I just ate it. Right? Take a look at this, right? Gener- take a look at this. Generosity simply does not come naturally. It, it comes naturally with sharing some, some videos or easy, low-hanging fruit. But when it comes to, to, to money, Things of value, it just doesn't come all that naturally. Now, ironically, it seems we are continually asked to give, especially during this time of year, right? I mean, pretty soon we're going to start seeing Santa Claus outside of the grocery store ringing a bell, right? We're going to, we're going to see commercials on TV with sad little puppies with big eyes, and they're going to ask for, for our generosity to help them. Right? There are incredible organizations all over the world that are funded by the financial generosity of people right so many of these organizations are doing amazing and wonderful things that people uh, for people who desperately need it but if you're you're like me when you're asked to contribute you start to think this right i don't have enough, enough money to give some of it away, right? You start to think that, I just don't have enough money to give some of it away. Maybe, maybe sometimes you are unsure if you'll have enough money uh, to make it through another month, and right when you're in the middle, in the midst of that tension of, of, of trying to figure out if you do have enough resources to make it to the end of the month, your, your kid comes up to you and, and says they need this for school or this amount of money for, for this activity, or you get a, a, a flat tire and you, you go to the tire shop and they, they tell you that you desperately need new tires on your car, right? In those moments, how in the world could any of us think about, uh, about giving money away, all right? right? Not only does it not come naturally to share those, those resources, but there's another issue that we have with generosity, and it's this. We worked hard to earn that money in the first place, Right? Right? We worked hard to earn that money in the first place. We put in the hours of working hard for a boss who may or may not appreciate us. And, and when we get that paycheck, the idea of giving some of it away just seems like crazy, right? absurd. Right? Why would we work so hard for money just to hand it off to someone else? Or for many of us, the, the issue or another issue that comes to mind with generosity is, is this. We don't just uh, think about it, and so it's never on the forefront of our mind. It's not, it's not something that we think about, so we just don't, we just don't do it, right? We're, we're busy. We have things going on. We have intentions to give, but we forget. And we have so much going on. Giving is not exactly at the top of our priority list now for some of you you are you're new to church and and you hear me talking about generosity and money and you think all right here we go right i knew it it was only a matter of time right they just want my money it's just a matter of time now if that's you or if you feel any of those other tensions, like, like it, uh, I've worked hard for it, or, or I don't have enough of it, or I just don't think about it, whatever tension it is that you're dealing with, I get it, right? I understand, right? It is always a preacher's worst nightmare that the first Sunday that someone comes to church, they will hear a sermon on giving, All Right. <laughs> And I preach on giving every November, and I know it's coming. I know it's coming, right? So if this is your first Sunday, welcome. And I promise we'll get through this together. Because here's the truth. All right? This is what it comes down to. Take a look. The goal of today, really the goal of the next few weeks is this. The goal is to not make you feel guilty. Instead, it is to invite you into something that is thrilling and free, to invite you into something that we were created to do, that we were uh, supposed to be forging in a part of our life as we forge our life on God, something that is better, something that is, is transforming, something that's just completely different and radical than what the rest of the world says or those tensions that we listed off say, something worth forging our life on. And that brings us to the text that we want to look at uh, this morning. We're going to go back and forth between two passages today, and they're both uh, about uh, farmers. First, we're going to look at Luke chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 12. And as always, right? I guess I say this every week. If you were here, our guest speaker last week pointed it out. He even said it. As always, you can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you. Uh, you can take those with you. They are free, right? Part of our philosophy or value of transforming generosity. You can take those Bibles with you. They're free for you to use, to have, and, and to give away, right? So as you're turning to Luke chapter 12, let me give you a little bit of context. As you turn there, you're going to see this, right? Jesus is teaching, right? And the crowds that are around him, they're growing, both in number and in rowdiness, right? He's getting some of the dudes there, right? right? They're, like, they're getting a little rowdy, right? And the crowds, they just keep growing and they're, they're pushing in and, and they all want something from Jesus. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, we hear one more voice from this growing rowdy crowd. We hear one more voice from the crowd who wants something from Jesus. All right, some, some random guy from the crowd, he yells out like a, like a little kid in first grade. So let's look at that, all right, what he says. Chapter 12, verse 13 of Luke. All right, this voice from the crowd says this. Then someone called out from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Right, now, this may seem a little weird, right? It does to me. It seems a little strange, right? This is a weird thing to yell out. It may seem odd that someone is yelling out their family's dirty laundry in the middle of just a big crowd. Hey, Jesus, Savior of the world, God in the flesh, tell my brother to share, right? (laughs) strange, but that's what's happening, right? And now what is funny is, interestingly enough, this was kind of normal back then. Right, back then, they didn't have therapists or, or lawyers like we would think of today. They had rabbis. They had teachers or, or religious leaders. And so often people would come to their, their rabbi, to their, their teacher, that's all that, that means, or, or their pastor, right? And they would ask for help. And so this man yells out to, to this rabbi to help him settle a family dispute. Right? But Jesus doesn't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> he, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to deal with this. Why? Well, because the problem, as with most disputes uh, over money and, and financial resources and inheritance, like in this case, it, it really has nothing to do w- with money. Right? And that's why he's, he doesn't even want to deal with it. You see, an inheritance, like we're talking about here, often brings out the worst in people. I cannot tell you how many murder mysteries that I've watched where the motive was an inheritance, right? In my very um, detailed and hard preparation for my message, I watched the movie Knives Out, right? (laughs) It was just a coincidence. Great movie, but the whole point was about an inheritance, right? And this family fighting. I've known brothers and I've known sisters who hate each other, and they never even talk to each other again because they did not get what they wanted when Daddy died. You see, there there are people who love Jesus, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There are people who love uh, love their their riches more than they love Jesus, more than they love their relatives, more than they love anything. And Jesus knew this when this guy was hollering this out. And so he rightly turns down this greedy family member, and instead he launches into a lesson about greed. All right, let's, same chapter, verse 16. Jump down to verse 16 where it says this. All right, he then told them a story. A rich man who had a, a fertile farm that produced vine crops, he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns, and I'll build bigger ones, and then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And then I'll sit back, and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Now listen, at first glance, there, there does not seem to be anything wrong with what the man has done in this story. right? This man, he was blessed with a bumper crop. That, that's a great and wonderful thing. And so he decided to, to tear down his old barns, and to build uh, new barns to hold the, the excess. Now, is there anything wrong with a farmer having a good harvest? No, absolutely not, right? We pray for that, right? right? That there's nothing wrong with that. And is there anything wrong with building bigger barns and, and expanding? No, abs- again, absolutely not, right? Growth is good. It's a good thing, right? So what was wrong with what this guy was doing, right, what's, why is Jesus telling this story, what's the, what's the illustration, well the, the same thing that was wrong with me taking both chocolate chip cookies, right, at the double tree, (laughs) is what's wrong with the man in this story, right, he was not thinking about anybody else, it didn't even pop into his mind, sharing was not on His priority list, right? The the man's first thoughts were about himself and only uh, about himself, right? The the man said, I am going to build a bigger barn for myself so that I can say to myself, my friend, (laughs) that's funny, right? (laughs) I can say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for, for years to come. Now, just take it easy, right? Eat, drink, and be merry. I was teasing Christina uh, because yesterday we ordered um, dinner, like delivery. And she ordered a salad, but she, she ordered it without croutons. And I said, you're, you're like the, the parable of the, the rich fool that we're, I'm going to be preaching on tomorrow. And she's like, what do you mean? What? I ordered dinner. I was like, but you didn't think about Barton. Because our dog Barton would have appreciated those croutons. All <laughs> right? So right? It's the same thing, right? There's nothing, nothing in the mind, right? <laughs> Now here, this is what this guy is. It's all about him. right? If you went through this parable in the original uh, language, there's 54 words. And 18 of them, when you read this in the original Greek, 18 of them are in the first person of the the original 54 words. So so words like like I, me, and, and mine are what is in there. 18 of the 54 words. And nobody else was on this man's radar. Nobody else, not, not his family, not his friends, and God was definitely nowhere to be found in his mind. Right? It would seem that generosity right, uh, was not a word in this man's vocabulary. Right? Sharing was not something he was thinking about. Right? But if we, we turn to the other story that I want to look at today, uh, we're going to see another farmer and we see what this man does with his abundance. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, or you can follow along with me on the screen behind me, or use the Foundry Burke app and click the Bible tab, and it's right there. But 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 10, says this It says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Right? And God will generously provide all you need, and then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and they give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Right? For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. And then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Right? Paul, who's writing this, the Apostle Paul, who's writing this, says that farmers who plant a little, right, they're going to harvest a little. It's a simple principle, right? We get that, right? Farmers who plant a lot have the potential, right, to harvest a lot. And you see, there's nothing wrong with working hard and planting a lot, right? There's nothing wrong with, with planting a lot and earning a lot. But look at the way he explains planting a lot. Did anyone notice how he explains it? He calls it planting generously, Right? It's like Paul is saying, plant a lot because you have others in mind. You have some plans in mind, right? In the same way, when you and I give, right, our, our, our money, our resources, it isn't lost. Right? It's used. It's planted generously. It is invested into the, the farm of God, right? into his kingdom. Now, I'm not saying that people who give will get financially rich, right? That's not the the sow and reap and and all that stuff, right? But it is a blessing to us when we invest in things that are spreading the love and sharing the power of Jesus. That's, That's a blessing to us, and it's a blessing to others, right? Jesus himself told people to store up treasures in heaven. Right? In other words, invest in something now that will be a blessing to you later for all of eternity. That is what generosity is. And then Paul goes on to say, I am not demanding or insisting that any of you give. He's not saying that. I'm not requiring you to give a certain amount of money. But what Paul is saying is that giving is more about the state of the heart right, or the in the story's case, the mind and the heart of the farmer, right, than it is about the state of our wallet or our bank accounts, right, take take a look at this, you can either see generosity as a burden, right, or an opportunity, right, again, using Christina from last night at dinner, she's going to yell at me on the way home, <laughs> Right, she, she saw the, the croutons as a burden. She had to pull those out or an opportunity to give. All right, you can see it as generosity, as a burden, or an opportunity. It's up to us. All right, it, it's up to us, right? You can see your generous crop as a burden or an opportunity to return a generosity, to return the generosity of, of our provider to other people. You see how, how this, that, that verse ends? Right? It says this, For God is the one who provides. Right? For God is the one who provides. Right? The, the originator of generosity, the originator of sharing is God himself, the God that we're forging our life on. Jesus made the same comparison uh, back in Luke after he told our original parable. In verse 12, after that parable, after he tells the story, he goes on and he says this in verse 22. He says, then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Right? Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear for life is more than food, and your body is more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them, and you are more valuable to him than any birds. Right? Can all your worries, he says, add a single moment to your life? And if you worry, right, can't, and if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Verse 27 says, look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet King Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? All right, Jesus said, just look around, all right? He said, just look around at, at how God provides, not just the, the needs of the lilies in the fields or the, the birds in the, in the trees, but also how he blesses them abundantly. Look at how generous our God is. Right, that's what he's saying, right? The, the generosity of God can be found in every step we take and in every place we look. That should be a song, right? Generosity is at the core of our Father's love. At the heart for the, the grace that He's already shown us. Now, Foundry Church, we all, right, we all know this, right? We all know this, we've, we've heard this, and we're still holding tight to our wallets, and, and we're building bigger plans with, with no one else in mind, let alone God. And like I said, that's the tension, right? That's, the, that's the, the struggle. And I think we deal with that, and then we have to fight with that, and we have to, we have to make sure that's not creeping into our lives as we're forging our life on God because of this, right? Because of this, we're afraid. I think that's why we struggle with it so much we're afraid at least I know I am right we're afraid that God is not going to take care of us and so we we get a little anxious sure right we see the birds but they only eat bird seed right I need a little bit more than that and so I worry and of course, the, the lilies in the field, they're beautiful, but I'm a, I'm a pretty big guy, and I need a bigger shirt than a lily. <laughs> so I worry, right? We worry about other things too, right? Not just basic necessities we find our ourselves saying things like how's my kid going to get into college if they don't do this activity or play this sport or or, or participate in this thing uh, I, I need to pay for these special lessons or this special gear because I, I don't want my kid to be left behind or or we have to be at this amount of investment or, or it's just not going to work or whatever right we, we we look around and we think man I don't want to be made fun of, or I don't want my kids to be made fun of, so we got to have the newest this and the newest that. we got to, we got to have the best computer so we can be the best at work, or we have to have, have um, the best car so we can get to point A and to point B in style. Right? We just worry about everything, and so we forget about the generosity of God, and we just focus on, on building bigger barns. We forget where it all comes from in the first place. And if we're honest, it forces us to do this. Take a look. Our, our focus is off when it comes to giving. Our, our fear makes our focus kind of off a little bit when it comes to giving. Right? We look at our money and we, we focus on what we, would, what we would have to do, right? what, what things we would have to line up, or what sacrifices need to be made in order for us to be generous. And, and well... We just don't have enough, and so we can't be generous. We're not sure that we can trust God enough to really take care of our needs. Right? Money is the, the barometer of our faith instead of the generosity of God. That's a, that's a problem right we end up trusting in our money and our possessions and in our 401k's and and you see when when i read the parable in luke here i think maybe that that rich that rich fool went to church he was a church person and what i mean by that is like, sure i'm sure he attended the temple or or the synagogue but but he didn't trust god he knew who god was walking down the street But he didn't trust God. Why? Because because he could could see this, right? He he could hold on to this. He could could log in and he could check his his, his bank accounts. And I think we do the same thing, right? We we focus on this. We can see this, We we can count this. Right? We, can, we can tally up the money in our accounts and in our savings and our, and our other accounts, but we can't see God. Right? I can't see God, but I can, I can see and I can touch my money. I, I can do things with it today, right now. And it's so easier to trust in that. Right? It's easier to trust in what I can see and what I can, can hold. And we can't see God. He's not quite... Real to us then, right? That's how our mind starts to think. I mean, we go through the motions of church, singing and praying and communion, the sermon, but it's all a matter of, of, of doing church, right? We, we've done our, our religious duty, but, but I, I don't think much about, about God because he's just not there. And that's the, the trap, the spiral that we start to get into right and then because he's not quite real or or i can't touch him like i can with my my wallet we don't really believe god will be there for us and we end up worshiping our, our money or our resources and we let fear win in the end and then take a look our fear overpowers our generosity and we are left with full wallets and empty hearts We let fear overpower our generosity, and we are left with full wallets and empty hearts. But listen, there's hope. There's always hope, Foundry Church. There is a great hope, amen? In another letter written by Paul, he wrote these words. Romans chapter 8, verse 32 says this. He said, since he did not spare even his own son. <laughs> since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? You see, a different approach to our life is to look at God and what he has done and already has done for us. He sent Jesus, his son, into this world, right? He he took on the guilt and the shame of our sin when he died on the cross as our sacrifice, right? There's so much good that is offered to us through the grace of God, right? We we look at our, our financial struggles and we wonder why don't we have more? But instead, right, we're, we're invited to turn our eyes, to, to shift our focus, to adjust our mindset and focus on Jesus and all the good that's offered to us because he was resurrected from the grave. Because he already kicked the teeth of death. That's power. Ultimate generosity. Right? Think of it this way. It all comes down to this. Right? Greed is a response to fear. Generosity is a response to the grace of God, right? Greed is a response to fear, right? Generosity is a response to the grace of God. If you get anything out of today's message, get that, right? If you get anything out of this series, get that, right? Generosity is a response to the grace of God, right? He's not telling us to do this or or he won't love us. It's just living in what he's already done for us. It's a response, not a reaction. It's a response to to realizing, man, I was a sinner and I am saved by his grace. That he loves me so much that he sent his very son to die on the cross instead of me dying on the cross. So that I can have an internal relationship with him. He loves me so much, I don't have to let fear win. Because you you guys, you're looking at the person who worries the most about about finances, right? I can't even open the mail sometimes. I just let Christina handle it, right? But I don't got to be afraid, right? He's got our back. Right? Look, if we look back at 2 Corinthians, we'll see the truth. Uh, of this statement, back, back where we were in 2 Corinthians, uh, verses 11 through 12 says this. It says, yes, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when you And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Isn't that wonderful? Right? Foundry Church, when we respond to the, the grace of God with, with generosity, right? when we partner with him in his kingdom, in this outpost that he has us in of his kingdom here in Burke, others see God. Others find joy in God. Others get to know and forge their life on God and they respond to his grace. It creates a cycle of generosity and grace and forging a focus on God. It's just a cycle of that, that generosity, that grace, and that, that focus on God. Listen, if we're waiting until we have enough resources to give, enough time, money, talent, whatever, we'll never have enough. Right? We'll, we'll never have enough. Uh, on the other hand, though, on the other side of that coin, if we focus on the love, on the blessing, and the goodness that comes through God and his son, our hearts will respond with a spirit of humility and generosity. He's given us so much. And he wants us to partner with him and continue to give to others. To, to give in his name, and to invest in others. So let me get real practical here in just a couple seconds. Right, how do we practically start expressing generosity? How do we practically do it? Well, we've been talking about farmers, so we do this. We sow one seed of generosity today. Right, every day. Not just today. Every day. All right? We sow one seed of generosity today, and a great place to sow that seed of generosity is right here at your church. All right? I don't, I mean, we're going to dig more into this in the weeks to come. But guys, you know, you realize that our church of planted a, a church in Panama last year, right? And In Panama City, Panama, right? We, we feed an average of 75 families a week through, through the, the, the school system, right? Fresh meat and, and produce and, and all the goodies, yeah, Carol knows, <laughs> stuff, right? We partner with, with Target and Giant who donate more than 1,500 pounds about a week, right, because of generosity. And we, we partner with, uh, with an orphanage in Zimbabwe. We partner with Assist Pregnancy Center here in Fairfax County, right? We do things like the flowers just to spread some love up the road, right? We, we do all sorts of things. We're going to dig into more and more of those in, in the, the weeks that come. More than I can even even think off the top of my head, All right? We we've had more baptisms, right? People saying, I, "I Jesus is my Lord from here on until for eternity." Like in the, we had nine in 2020, and of our church our size in the Christian Standard magazine, that was the number one in the country, church our size last year. Right, that's generosity, right? Because we give and we partner together, right? That's what, it's, that's what it's about. I'm getting ahead of myself in weeks to come. But listen, we sow one seed of generosity today, and we're going to make it easy for you today with the flowers, right? Right? Make a couple of those flowers. You guys brought flowers. You're going to spend some time doing that. We're going to take those up the road. Sowing a seed of, of generosity. It's something that can alter the trajectory of our lives and the lives of others. Right? When we develop a heart of generosity, we are the ones who benefit. We really are, right? It's like a, a double blessing, a blessing to us and a blessing to others. And none of us will look back on our lives and we'll regret having a spirit of generosity. Right? You don't hear a 95-year-old say, I wish I wasn't so generous. <laughs> right? But it starts today. And every day, with us taking that step of sowing a seed, to be givers, to be generous, to respond to the, the gifts of grace that God has given us. To not, not let fear win, right? And to partner with him to show the same grace to others. I'm going to invite the, the band to come back up today. And as they do, I... I Like I said, I don't want just today's service project to be the only seed that you sow this week. And so I want you to start thinking, how can you live out this value of transforming generosity? I want you to begin to to think about giving financially to the church, to begin partnering with God in the mission and the vision uh, of this this local outpost of the kingdom, to partner through tithing and offerings that we're going to talk about more in weeks to come. Think about how are we going to continue to partner you know, and, and before we, we say anything or before we start singing, I love that when people visit our church, like our, our, our Corey last week and, and uh, guest preachers or, or just people, that uh, uh, friends of mine that come and visit, they're always blown away by how much we do. Not for ourselves, but for each other and for our community. Like, how can your small church do that much? It's because we live out transforming generosity, so I want to say thank you. To each of you for partnering with that. But continue to dig deeper into that grace and that transforming generosity. Think about that as we stand, as we sing, and continue to worship.